thing about what I do is I don't coach any teams. So I kind of get to stay out of a, a, a lot of the politics that are involved in youth hockey. And, you know, it's just all about trying to make kids better and, and hopefully change their, their hockey journey for them. Because um, I know, you know, for me, hockey has given me everything I have in my life. So if I can just be a small part, trying to make kids a little bit better at the game and maybe open some new doors for them, um, that's that's kind of where, where I found my niche. Hi there, welcome to the show. I'm Lucas Favalli, and this is Crunch Chronicles presented by Wendy's. Today on the show, we catch up with a former Crunch forward who spent parts of two seasons in Syracuse. We're talking about Mike Raja, who began his Crunch tenure at the end of the 2007-08 season when he signed an amateur tryout, or ATO, with the Crunch following a four-year career at UNH. He played just two games, but added three assists for the Crunch that year. And that was a Crunch team that was in the midst of a franchise record 23-game point streak to close the regular season. Not an easy lineup to crack for anybody, but a successful one nevertheless for Mike. After spending his rookie season with the Rockford Ice Hogs the following year, Raja wound up in Syracuse during the 2009-2010 campaign. He contributed 14 points in 31 games for the Crunch that season before being traded at the trade deadline. He totaled 17 points in his 33 Crunch games in his time in Syracuse, and he would play the rest of his career split between North America, Europe, and Asia before retiring following the 2016-17 season. The good news? He remains active in local hockey circles today. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Wendy's Pretzel Bacon Pub Cheeseburger is back. Dive into a bite packed with warm, savory beer cheese, applewood smoked bacon, crispy fried onions, and hot and juicy beef. All perfectly paired with a Dr. Pepper at participating U.S. Wendy's for a limited time. Dr. Pepper is a registered trademark of Dr. Pepper 7-Up, Inc. Lee Baldwin and Company is a proud sponsor of the Syracuse Crunch. For all of your investment needs, check them out at investtoday.com. Lee Baldwin and Company, you do the dreaming, they'll do the math. I'm doing well. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Thank, thanks for having me. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's always exciting to, to touch base with people that uh, your paths have crossed uh, through the hockey journey. And uh, we are, it's great to have you here. It's been a while since, uh, uh, you know, you've played for the Crunch, but you were here for a couple of years. We'll get into all that in a little bit, but we'll start with the current day. What do you got going on these days? Yeah, so I'm uh, currently living uh, down in, in Lansing, um, which is right next to Ithaca. Ended up settling here about five years ago. I, I played my last year a pro uh, down in Elmira uh, in the ECHL with the Jackals. And my brother-in-law had moved to Ithaca. So my, my wife actually got a job at his company. And uh, so she was commuting back and forth from Elmira uh, at the time. And then, you know, that season ended, uh, which was 2016, 2017. Knew it was my last year playing unless something crazy came across my plate that I just couldn't say no to. And uh, when we were done with that year, my, my wife was already here. And, you know, we kind of treated Ithaca like any other hockey season and said, let's try it out for a year. We'll, we'll see where it goes. And, you know, if we have to go back to Chicago or wherever after that, we'll make that move. And um, things kind of just started happening. And uh, we've been here now five years and I don't I don't really see us going anywhere. Um, so within that time, I I worked an office job for for two years, uh, met some really great hockey people uh, here in Ithaca, uh, Tony and Eric Eisenhut, and they, they gave me an opportunity to work in an office, which I never thought I was built for. <laughs> 
And uh, so I worked with those guys for a couple of years and uh, started doing skill development on the side. And uh, now my, my full-time job is skating and skill development all up and down central New York. Yeah, that's, uh, that's where, well, I guess we'll start with that. Uh, you know, that's become your big thing. Uh, uh, Jim Sorosu was joking, you know, you're probably 95% of the time you're not driving to rings to, to get, you know, to be on the ice or you're fully invested in hockey now and the skills and, and skating. What's the been, uh, what's that journey been like for you? Yeah. So it, it started off with one kid doing private lessons, um, two days a week. And then it kind of grew into some smaller groups, uh, mostly all local kids here in Ithaca. And then, you know, from there, I kind of saw that there was a bit of a need um, for skating development specifically and started doing bigger clinics. And uh, now we're, I'm, I'm working through the winter. I work with six different clubs consistently. Um, I have a bit of a staff, uh, actually, Mike Ratchuk, uh, another former crunch, um, just got him to move to Ithaca and, and coach alongside me. Um, and now it's it's the, the clubs in the winter and then spring and summer, I run all my own programs, clinics, tournament teams. Um, summer day camps and then uh, just a lot of skating I'm like you said I'm five nights a week in a rink Um, the the nice thing about what I do is I don't coach any teams so I kind of get to stay out of a a lot of the politics that are involved in youth hockey and you know it's just all about trying to make kids better and and hopefully change their their hockey journey for them Um, because I know you know for me hockey has given me everything I have in my life so if I can just be a small part trying to make kids a little bit better at the game and maybe open some new doors for them. Um, that's, that's kind of where, where I found my niche. You know, how much has the game changed? And we'll, we'll certainly circle back to what you're doing currently, but just in general with what you see now with these youth hockey players and compared to what you went through and just, I guess the different, just the different approach, I guess, these days with, uh, with how hockey is, is being taught at that level. Yeah, I I think what's going on now is because the game has just grown. I mean, there's there's more players everywhere, and the speed of the game and and the players in the NHL, the McDavid's and and uh, the Matt Barzells and and the Nathan McKinnons, the guys that can really skate and and bring speed to the game. You know, it 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 just highlights how fast the game is, and that skating really is. You if you can't skate, you're going to have a really hard time progressing up the ladder. Um, and and when I first started coaching, you know. Didn't really, you know, I did power skating as a kid. My dad ran power skates and things like that. So I had a bit of a a, a base on that. Um, But I started doing, you know, stick handling drills and really anything I can just grab off of Instagram because I thought that's what you should be doing. And finally, I went to watch a game for one of the kids I was working with. And I realized that, you know, candidly, none of the kids could skate. It was, you know, very weak skating skills. And I immediately changed all of my focus to be, I have to, if this is what I'm going to do, I have to teach them how to skate and I have to make sure that I'm providing results to the kid and the family so that they want to come back. Um, so it, it's, for me, it's all skating. And, and when I played, I, I was a, a good North South. I, I you know, was always relatively fast, but I lacked as a player, you know, the down low cutbacks, puck protection, um, puck possession skills. And that's kind of now where I focus a lot of my, my efforts, you know, a lot of speed, but more, you know, how to turn properly, how to explode out of turns, um, just how to be more confident with the puck. And I think the more skating skills you have in your toolbox, the better hockey player you're going to be, the more fun you're going to have, and then the more you get to play with the puck. Did you have to kind of teach yourself how to, to do all those things first? I mean, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure it's crazy just how much that has evolved. A hundred percent. I mean, when I, 
I mean, I, I'm, I demonstrate every drill I do. And so through demonstrating and, and through, you know, trying to find any resource I can online on, you know, just what, what are they doing in all these different countries? And then going through demonstrations, I've actually kind of figured out like, all right, what am I actually doing? Like, cause I can do it. Now I have to be able to teach it. So breaking down skills in my head as I'm demonstrating um, was really kind of where I've spent a, a lot of my time learning um, through just, I guess, you know, self-discovery. Mike Rogers, our guest here on Crunch Chronicles. All right, so you've talked about, you know, the camps and everything you run. To, you know, how can people find this? And, uh, and what's the name and, and all that fun stuff as well? So the name of my company is Speed Skills Hockey. I have a website. It's uh, speedskillshockey.com. And then uh, I've been putting a lot of, uh, I guess, valuable teaching pieces out on Instagram and TikTok. Um, and th those both are also uh, at Speed Skills Hockey. You, know, you said you're obviously up and down here in New York. I know you get up to Cicero at times. Uh, what are the different areas that you try to cover and and uh, and things like that? Yeah, so during the season, um, like I said, I'm on the ice five nights a week. So Monday, I'm up with the Syracuse Nationals. Um, Tuesday, I'm here locally with Ithaca Youth Hockey. Wednesday, uh, I have two different clubs I work with, another one here in Ithaca, the Central Outlaws, and then I'm down in Binghamton uh, with the Southern Tier Hockey Association. Thursdays, I'm with the Valley Eagles uh, that are Syracuse-based, and then Fridays, I'm with the Cortland Flames down in Cortland. Um, so it's, uh, it's five nights a week at a different club, and, and I mean, I guess that's, that's the cool part about it is I'm just constantly surrounded by hockey players and uh, you know, kids that want to get better, and you know, I, I, I'm not their coach. So I'm able to provide a, you know, a little bit different experience to where, you know, I, I don't care if they make mistakes. Like I, I like the mistakes I'm able to then help them and work through it. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun just getting to know all the people at all the different organizations and, and really trying to learn and get a grasp on just what the, this whole youth hockey animal is. Yeah. Do you ever get to sleep with all that? I mean, it seems like you're, uh, you're traveling up and down left and right. What a crazy schedule you have. Uh, a little bit. I got a six month old now, so that that hinders a little bit of the sleep, but uh, I find my pockets at times. Uh, Mike Rogers, our guest here on Crunch Chronicles. Mike, you spent a couple seasons with the Crunch talking about retiring from hockey after 2016, 17, had the office job there briefly. What was the transition like leaving the game? Now, obviously, you're surrounded by it again, but I guess that little brief period where you had to hit the real world and, and be in an office job for a bit. What was that like? It, you know what it, it uh, I went into to my post hockey career there and, and I actually really wanted to do something not hockey. So I, I wanted to try, you know, cause I, I got my MBA um, in 2015, 16, I played in Belfast and part of my deal there was they paid for my schooling. Um, so I was able lucky enough to go back and get my MBA in 12 months. So, you know, from that process and, and actually going to class with, people that live in Belfast that had normal jobs at all in all types of different industries. Um, you know, I, I wanted to do something and maybe get into sales and, and, you know, just, just see what I can do with something different. And uh, it, it was a bit of a grind. I, I started off on basically an internship and then through that process, uh, the company had a bookkeeper quit. And so I was thrown into the mix as being a bookkeeper. And uh, the first question they asked was, do you know QuickBooks? And I had, I did, I never heard of QuickBooks. Um, so it, it was challenging. I mean, there, there were times I'd come home and tell my wife, I'm, like, I'm not, I can't do this. Like, this is way over my head. And, um, but I, I gutted it out. I, I actually learned a lot on how to run a business and, um, you know, bringing my hockey experience there and, and just working with people, not from hockey. So it, it, 
it was a grind for a bit, um, but settled in and, and learned a lot. And then, you know, it, uh, it's something that I'm, I'm, you know, forever grateful um, to the guys that hired me because, you know, they, they took a chance on a hockey player who had never worked, uh, you know, outside of playing hockey. And um, so it was a great experience, but, you know, at the end of the day, as my hockey business on the side started growing, the first opportunity I saw where, okay, this thing now has some legs and I don't, I think it's time to go two feet in it. It was, uh, it was kind of a great day to, to, to make that change back, back into hockey full time. Well, let's, let's look at that again. Uh, the speed skills hockey, what is, you know, you kind of alluded to it already getting a chance to work with all these young guys and, and players. And but for you, what is the most rewarding part, I guess, of, of what you do now? Uh, that's a low there. There's so much, um, getting to know some of the kids and, and, and helping them work through the, the different skills. And, and I have a lot of students that I see pretty regularly. So, you know, it's, it's, I have kids I've worked with for five years that are now 15, 16 years old and we step on the ice and, you know, it's not a typical coach player relationship. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a little bit from pro coaching, you know, my experience from seeing how the good coaches I had and, and how they would deal with players. I'm, I'm able to go to some of those players and be like, Hey, is this drill enough? Like, are, are we good with this one? Is it time to move on? Like get a, get a feel for them as, as much as they get a feel for me. But I, I think the most rewarding thing for me really is I'll meet kids for the first, you know, two, three skates. And I can tell they're a little bit standoffish and they don't really get me and my personality. And then over time, I'm able to kind of break down some walls and, and get them to try skills that maybe they weren't as comfortable doing or, or not really good at. And then, you know, through just, constantly trying to get them just to try and just work and, and you'll get there. Don't worry. Um, you know, that's the most rewarding part is because once you get them over certain hurdles and, and I build the relationship with them, you know, the, the sky is really the limit as, as to what we can do and, and you know, where, where our relationship's going to go. Uh, so exciting for you and for those uh, those young players as well. And we look to continue to see that uh, grow for you here in the New York area as we uh, as we move along. Mike Rogers, our guest here on Crunch Chronicles. Right, Mike, we'll uh, start to shift now to your your time as a player here in uh, in Syracuse with the Crunch. Uh, you you went to uh, college, UNH, uh, a big time player there uh, at UNH. And then you come out after your senior season, you join the Crunch for just a couple of games at the end of the 2007-2008 season. You know, obviously came back a couple of years later, but we'll start with a very brief stint with a crunch uh, there. But before all of that, I guess just the, the broad thoughts on your your time spent uh, in Syracuse with a crunch. I enjoyed every every minute of being in Syracuse. You know, I, I wasn't a, a top six guy um, at any point. Um, so I, I kind of had to earn everything I got. And uh, but it, it was great. The fans were great uh, playing at the rink. There was awesome. Um, so I, I had a really good experience. My first stint there, I guess it, it was a short one. Um, I came there on an ATO out of college and the team at the time was unbelievable. I think they were on, you know, a 20 something game winning streak. So to crack that lineup, you know, especially coming from college when they're already established team. And at that point in the year, um, it, it was hard. I got in a couple games, but just being around that team and, and just seeing how tight knit they were and how much fun they were having it, it was a good taste um, of pro hockey that, you know, for, for that brief stint, I was there. Um, and then for, you know, whatever reason, school and all that, it was kind of time to head back and, and finish up my studies and, and things like that. So, you know, my, my first time there was, was eye opening, um, but it, it, it couldn't have probably, I, I went into a good spot to be around a good organization. I, I probably would like to play a couple more games. Um, but, you know, at, at the time it, it, I was just happy to be there really. It, it was an opportunity to, to prove I can do something at the next level and, uh, and showcase to, to one team, you know, what I can do on the ice. 
Yeah, that team, like you said, was just so good at the end of that season in, in 08. I think it was a 23-game point stretch. It just was an absurd run for that group uh, yeah. heading into the playoffs as well. They you know, kept it rolling into the postseason. You know, you jump into a team like that that is playing so well, playing so, you know, just on a roll. Is it intimidating? What's, you know, when you first got here, what was your mindset, I guess, when you jumped into the this uh, this team? It was real. Really, it was um. I'm here and let's just see, let's just see what happens and, and how it goes. Um, the one thing that stands out the, you know, the first year when I was there on the ATO was just how, how tough the team was. Um, you know, they had John Morasti was there, who's, you know, a legitimate heavyweight. Um, and the, the team was just super tough. There was a lot of fights when I was there and, you know, it was really eye opening that, okay, this, this is not college hockey. So this is, this is a whole new animal. Yeah, for sure. It is uh, that that team. I mean, again, it was so good on the ice, but there was you didn't know how to mess with them off the ice or or on the ice uh, for that matter. It just it was uh, a pretty, uh, pretty fun group, but a, a scary group. What do you remember from that? You know, that brief stint there from that first year. But what sticks out, uh, whether it's the guys in the group in the locker room or, you know, just uh, just being around that team for for how how short you were? Honestly, what what really uh, what sticks out the most was um, my my travel to get there. I had went with a college, uh, college teammate of mine, Matt Fornatero, and we were flying in and, and, you know, one seat on each side of the aisle type type thing. And our planes kind of rocking back and forth as we're landing. And I'm like, Oh, Jesus, this better not be a sign of, of how this, this is going to go. Um, so, so it was an interesting start there. Um, but I, I was just grateful to be there, to be honest. Um, you know, at the end of my senior year, i I had a feeling that I was going to play a little bit of pro hockey the following year. I didn't know where. Um, so to be able to go right to an American league team on an ATO, it, it kind of, you know, helped, I guess, set me up for, for the next year. Um, and, and just a little bit different level of experience than I probably would have gotten if I, my ATO was in the ECHL. Yeah. A couple of assists in the two games that season with the crunch, you know, seven, oh, wait again, a very good crunch team. All right. So you're, you're gone for a couple of years and you return to the organization in Oh, nine, 2010, a couple of years later. Uh, I think you were picked up off of waivers uh, and joined the team. What do you remember from, uh, from that second stint with the crunch? Yeah. So the, the way I ended up there, I started the season in Finland. So I finished my rookie year with the Rockford Ice Hogs and then didn't really get much interest. So my agent had found something in Finland. So I seemed like a, a good opportunity. So I went and playing there, it didn't really go as, as well as I wanted. I, I wasn't playing very much. Um, and so I kind of hit a point in the year that, you know, I, I realized that I, I needed to go back home. I needed to play more. And I, what had happened is I signed a contract with the Chicago Wolves and they were going to send me down to their ECHL affiliate in Atlanta. And my agent at the time had said, you know, but hold on, I, your contract has to go through waivers first. And um, I, I think a couple of teams might take it, but we don't really know. And then uh, the crunch took it. So of anyone that could have taken it, it, it was kind of like, okay, I've already been there. Uh, so, you know, I know a little bit of what to expect and, you know, the team was relatively similar and, uh, so it, it, that's, that's how I ended up there. And then, and then getting there was a little bit different this time because I was under a contract and, you know, it wasn't an ATO where, you know, at any day I could be gone type thing. And, and you could still be gone, obviously, uh, as I, I ended up getting traded away. Um, but when I got there, I, it, you know, knew a little bit what to expect. I remember, you know, the first week, I think my line mates were Kevin Harvey and John Morasti. So looking at that, I, I was kind of like, all right, I'm probably not really going to be relied on to do much scoring here. So I'm going to have to try to really work and battle my way 
and, and prove that I can score and um, try to work my way up, up the lineup a little bit here. Um, but it, it was a deep team. It was a really good team. And, uh, you know, so just, again, just being there and getting in the lineup what was a bonus for me. Yeah, so you're you're back in Syracuse at that point. You know, we didn't talk the first time around. You didn't really have a chance to experience Syracuse uh, as a whole in that short stint. But you know, this time around, you had thirty plus games. What was you know living in this city like for you? Yeah, so when I when I got there, I, I lived in the Crown Plaza, uh, the the circular hotel there downtown. I think I was there for six weeks or so, um, living with uh, with Simon Ferguson, who was a good roommate, older guy. So you know, he he was really good to me. And then we had a couple other uh, older guys in the hotel there, uh, Bates Battaglia, who for me growing up in Chicago, being six years younger, I, I, you know, I knew who he was. He was a Chicago hockey kind of legend. So um, being able to hang out with, with him was cool. And, you know, living in the hotel, you're, you try not to spend very much time in the hotel. So I got pretty familiar with the mall. And uh, so, and then right around the all-star break, um, I, I, the team had told me you're going to be here the rest of the year, you know, go, go find an apartment. So um, brought my girlfriend up, who is now my wife, and we uh, found a place up on Onondaga Hill. And uh, I think we were in that apartment for four weeks, uh, got a cat, and then uh, I, I got traded to Bridgeport uh, right at the deadline. Um, so it, for me, that was probably one of the longest pro seasons, um, living out of suitcases and, and moving and all that. Um, but yeah, my, I mean, my, my living was a little bit, you know, that that's part of pro hockey you, you might spend extended stays in hotels and just kind of unless you're an established guy on an NHL contract and you know just got to kind of be resilient and and know that that's kind of the stuff you're going to be dealing with it's definitely an under talked about part of of pro hockey is the the suitcase life at times whether you're going up and down between leagues or or if you're kind of the tweener guy who doesn't have the housing letter yet in, in the AHL how how challenging is it to, to, to have to do that for an extended period living out of a hotel? You know what? I, I think honestly, the most challenging part is, you know, for me, I, I was making league minimum. So I, I wasn't, wasn't making a lot of money and then every meal you got to eat out. So, um, you know, I guess, I guess budgeting was a bit of a concern of mine at the time. And, uh, you know, but it, like I said, it's, it's, it's all part of it. It's something I'm really glad I went through. Um, I, I think it made me a better person from, you know, understanding it. when you get to that level, you really don't have a say in, in what goes on. So you're, you know, you're, you're a bit of a yes man and you just, you, you take it on the chin and, and you do what you have to do to, to survive. Mike Raja, our guest here on Crunch Chronicles. Mike spent uh, a year plus with the Crunch, and we're talking now about the 09-2010 season. You had 14 points in 31 games with the Crunch that year, certainly productive, and and you ended up going to the playoffs with Bridgeport later that season uh, after the, uh, the trade deadline. But uh, one of the big events ever in AHL history and especially at that point was an outdoor game uh, the crunch in the Binghamton Senators at the time you were you were in that game for the crunch what do you remember from uh, from the outdoor classic uh I remember being so excited that my number was in uh when I was looking at the line chart for that game because I knew at the time it, it was somewhat of a historical event and so just being able to play was 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 great uh, it was pretty cold on the bench. I don't think I saw very much ice time, but you know, the guy parachuting in and, and my family was able to come out and share that experience with me. Um, you know, it, it, it was one of the coolest things I, I was able to be a part of. How challenging is it if you're not playing a ton in a game like that, where you probably are freezing your tail off on the bench? How do you stay warm? What's, what do you have to do? I, I honestly couldn't answer that. You know, the, the sun was a little bit, was bright, 
Uh, so you're, you're, you're blinded a little bit and, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I'll take the cold to, to participate and be a part of something like that any day of the week. So you, you like we said, you here for 31 games that season with the crunch, uh, seven goals, 14 points. Uh, it was a, another really good crunch team it was the last year of the Columbus affiliation as well. What else uh, sticks out to you from, uh, from the rest of that season for you here before you got traded? Just how good the guys were. Um, you know, it, it was a, it was a tight knit locker room for what I can remember. Kind of everyone held everyone accountable when, when you have a tough team like that. Um, you know, good, good leadership. And uh, I, I guess the one thing that really would stick out to me is I experienced my fair share of bag skates uh, with then assistant coach Trent Call. And I was blown away, I, I guess, uh, with how good of shape he was in. Um, you know, out, out skating me at the end, of, at the end of practice. And, and uh, you know, it, it was, it was, it, it was cool for me because when you see a coach that's doing a little bit of a bag skate with you and he's still in great shape, you're like, okay, like I, I got to step up what I'm doing here a little bit. Yeah. It raises the game a little bit. We, uh, we enjoyed our time with Trent Cole, who has spent a couple of stints as an assistant coach of the crunch now over uh, in Vancouver with the Canucks. Uh, so that's your time in Syracuse. Uh, you played for a couple other teams here in North America and also played in Europe. You were uh, well in Japan as well. And in the Asian league, what was uh, your experience overseas? Like it, it, I, I loved everything about being overseas. Um, I, I hit a point in my career where I kind of was getting a little bit older and, and, you know, knowing how the clubs kind of the big clubs work, you know, I, I wasn't in anyone's plans and, um, you know, I, I kind of hit a point that I'm like, all right, I, I need to go and, and try to make a little bit of money before this thing ends. And um, one of the best offers I got after I was playing in, uh, in Elmira came from a team in Japan and I didn't know they had hockey in Japan. Um, but I knew going overseas for me, there was no difference between an eight hour flight and a, and a 13 hour flight. You know, you're, you're still traveling far from home and to get home is going to be difficult. So um, going to Japan, I was there for two years and, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot, uh, the, the amount of respect that the Japanese culture has and, and the way that those guys carry themselves and just how hard workers they were. Um, we had players on my team in Japan that were, that were squatting. 275 pounds and just repping it out before a game. And I'm sitting there going, guys, like we have three games this weekend. Why are we doing, what are we doing heavy squats for today? It was an awesome experience. Um, and then from Japan, I was able to uh, go over to another team in the same league in Korea. So the town I was in, in Japan, it was Kushiro. So it was on the Northern Island. I think it was, you know, three or 400,000 people and nobody spoke English. So I got really good at miming. I learned, you know, the question words. Uh, so if I needed to know where something was in the grocery store, I, I could point at my phone and ask where. Um, and then the next year, after my two years in Japan, we, me and my wife went over to Korea, where it was a little more westernized. Uh, everyone spoke English, but the, the hockey, they treated it almost like a full-time job. So no matter what, every day practice was two hours. And then you got on the team bus, you went over to the gym together, so it was, it was a little frustrating in that regard because in, in North America, it's you, you get in, you do your work, and then you get out. And if you, know, you, you do your workouts and whatever you got to do, it, it, you know, it's three hours, maybe max. Um, so that was a little, bit, a little bit tough. And then at the end of that year, or sorry, at the beginning of the Korean year, I blew out my shoulder. So I missed half of that season. And then at the end of the year, the team decided that they did not want any imports the following year. So uh, that kind of sent me to another spot that I'd been earlier in my career where, what am I doing? Where am I going? Uh, no idea. And then uh, the, the, that's when the offer from Belfast 
um, and Northern Ireland came in and, and, you know, at this point in my career, I, I knew the end was coming. Um, either no one was going to want to offer me anything, or I was just kind of getting to a point personally that it was almost time to just move on. And, uh, and then when, when they offered the schooling package to go along with, with playing there, it, it, it was kind of a huge blessing in disguise for me. And, and I, I jumped on it. Hey, that's awesome. And it is, uh, it certainly worked out well for you here, uh, here where we are currently, which is, uh, back in the, uh, in the New York area, which is, uh, it's great for us for sure to be able to get a chance to catch up with you. Uh, w- before we let you run, just any uh, closing thoughts on, uh, on again, your time with the crunch, um, you know, the, the year plus you spent here in Syracuse. Like I said, I, I just remember, you know, being super grateful to, to be there, grateful to the organization, um, to take part in that outdoor game is, is something I'll remember forever. Um, you know, I, I, even though I got traded, uh, I, you know, I, I, that's part of the business. I, I never held anything, you know, any ill will or anything like that towards the club or anything like that. Um, so, you know, everywhere I played and including Syracuse, I'm, I'm just always look back on it now being, you know, six years removed from my career and, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, and there was a reason I was meant to play there. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just super grateful for, uh, for my opportunity there and, and, and grateful that you guys wanted to, uh, to bring me on and catch up here as well. Yeah. Well, we're so excited about this and, uh, we're like, we said, we're really excited to have you, uh, here continuing to grow the game of hockey, uh, in the upstate and central New York area. This is Mike Roger, former crunch forward now, uh, doing some great stuff in the youth hockey game. Mike, thanks so much for doing this here today. Uh, we will, uh, we'll certainly plug your, your stuff on in the show and, and, uh, hope to catch up with you in person here real soon. I appreciate it, Lucas. Thanks again for having me, and I really appreciate it. There he is, Mike Raja. We thank him for giving us the time, and we hope you enjoyed that conversation. It's awesome to see him succeeding and helping to grow the game of hockey here in the area, and we encourage you to check him out at speedskillshockey.com and via social media. If you have any Mike Raja stories, we'd love to hear them and share them on an upcoming episode of the show. You can send in a voice memo to me via email, lfavali at syracusecrunch.com. Maybe you or someone you know is currently being coached by Mike Raja, and we would love to hear that as well and, and share those stories with how he continues to just be a positive influence here in the local area. And on a personal note, I was in Elmira for Mike's final season in 2016-17. Team wasn't great, but he was always a good guy to chat with and a positive uh, influence around that group, nevertheless. Anyway, that'll do it for this week's episode of the show. Thanks again to Mike Roger for joining us here today. For all of us with the Syracuse Crunch, I'm Lucas Favale saying so long for now. We'll chat again next week on another episode of Crunch Chronicles. Crunch Chronicles.